0: Come on, how's everybody doing today? I said, how's everybody doing today? Come on, let me know you're here. Your, your volume encourages me and gets you out of here sooner. How's that? <laughs> wow, 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 wow. What a powerful, what a powerful word. What a powerful moment in the Lord. Generational curses are real. Uh, there are sins Uh, That we pass down from generation to generation to generation, and they can be broken. Many of you, most of you, you all know my story. My wife and I, we got pregnant before we got married. Well, it wasn't just us. It was generational, and that's our story. But I'm not here to tell you other stories, but I'm telling you brothers and cousins and uncles and others that it's all happened to. But when my wife and I got married, we broke that generational curse. three of my kids, and soon to be four, will all be getting married before that happened to them. Don't tell me generational curses can't be broken. Don't tell me they're not real. Don't tell me that my God's not strong enough. He's strong enough. He can do all things. He can do. He has done. He will do again. Come on. Just open up your heart and allow allow the Lord to begin to do stuff in your life. Begin to allow allow the Lord to do things in your life. You know, there's, there's... there's areas of our life that we don't allow the Lord to help. How many of us live in a house you're not allowed to help in the kitchen? That's mom's domain. That's the wife's domain. That's, you're not allowed. Do not enter. There's a do not enter sign that's posted that we don't read. We're not allowed to go in there. We can't have do not enter signs with the Lord. There can't be a room in your house where you're not allowed to go. There can't be a room in your house where the Lord's not allowed to go. Yeah, that's right. There can't be some deep, dark closet on the backside of something where, no, God, that's my space. No, he gets everything. He gets it all. He gets the whole thing. He gets the whole thing. The Lord wants to pour out blessings, not only on you, but on your children and on your children's children and on your children's children's children. This is who our God is. Amen, amen, amen. I'd sing that song all day, but I don't know where we'd go. But it's always good. Hey, no revival has ever ended because of excess. (coughs) Revivals only end because of control. When revival happens, there might be some things that happen that go on that we see that we don't like or we question or we're like, what is that? Is that God? No revival has ever ended. God doesn't pull back his anointing because someone's manifesting in the flesh something that's not actually going on in the spirit. Revival ends because we try to control what's going on and we cause it to end. We're in this uh, sermon series, Just Walk Across the Room. Thank you guys for being here today. Wow, there's a heavy presence of the Lord. Just lift your hands before I jump into scripture. Just lift your hands one more time. Receive what the Spirit of the Lord is doing this morning. He's doing something that we can't even put words to. We try, we listen, but I'm just telling you right now that the Lord is here and the Spirit is thick, so just allow the Lord to come into your heart right now. Allow him to just do a work. secret things that you've asked the Lord for being done right now. Lord, every heart, touch every heart this morning. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that you know who we are and what we need better than we do, God. God, help us to surrender and see you and be with you and walk with you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we're here. We're we're second to last on the "Just Walk Across the Room" series. It's been it's been long, but it's been good. Uh, we've got our small groups that go along with it, and you guys have been enjoying those. Just walk across the room. It's all about evangelism, guys. And it's really just that simple. That we just walk across the room and tell someone about Jesus. Today we're here. I think it's chapter nine. We're talking about the ultimate invitation. The chapter's title is Big Fish Invitation, and we'll read a scripture in a minute. I retitled it The Ultimate Invitation. Here's the point. Here's the deal. We, all of us, anybody that can hear my voice, whether in person here, whether you're online watching right now, whether you're online watching in a moment, whether you're listening to an audio, uh, years from now, you are invited into The ultimate project in human history. It's the gospel project. There has never been a greater work. There will never be a greater work. And God said, I want you to help me with this. And you say, I'm not qualified. He says, perfect. You say, I don't know anything. Even better. God, you don't know how I I fail. I'm good with that. There is nothing that can disqualify you from the gospel project. We're all qualified because he qualifies us. This is actually, not only is it the ultimate project and not only is it the ultimate invitation, this is the most important thing that we will ever do is to become part of what Jesus is doing and inviting others to follow him too. This is the most important thing that you will ever do. This is to make a difference in eternity. See, because some things that we do, they'll have a difference and they'll have a ramification in this world, but not everything that we do will have a difference and make a ramifications in the world to come in eternity. But taking part and accepting the invitation to preach the gospel, to share the love of God with others, that's eternal. That's eternal. That pays dividends eternally. How many of you know that we can invest in the stock market and we'll get some returns? But if we invest in heaven, we get eternal returns. When we invest in the lives of others, we get eternal returns. You know, there's, there's a lot of movies out there that are consumed with the fountain of youth. They're consumed with living forever. You're going to live forever. I want to live forever. And there, there's all these different stories, Right? Uh, the Jungle Cruise turned into that, right? And the Pirates of the Caribbean, and on and on and on and on, El Dorado, on and on and on and on, on, all these movies about living forever, the fountain of youth, I want to live forever. Why? Why are we so consumed with this thought? Because we are going to live forever. We're supposed to live forever. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men, but we haven't understood it. God put eternity in our hearts. We think we're going to live forever. This is why, when a loved one dies at 94 years old after a heart attack and stroke and getting hit by a car, we're like, how could he have died? Well, I mean, the chances are pretty good. There's a one in one chance that those who are alive will die. Those are really good odds if anybody hears a betting man. Right? Anybody play the lottery? Right? The last Powerball? I forget. Uh, So we heard the number. We're like, oh, buy us a ticket. We weren't even in town. We're like, buy us a ticket. So we got a ticket. I don't know what the odds were. One in 100 million or something like that. I I don't know. Huh? One in 1.2 million. Your odds of winning is one in 1.2 million. Well, I'm here to tell you today that your, your chances of dying is one out of every one. One out of every one persons in this room will die. That means if you can hear me talking you're bound for death. There's only, there's, that's true. There's only two people who have never died. It's true. Enoch and Elijah. The only other option is if you don't want to die is to live until Jesus returns. But none of us know when that's going to be. But we're all going to die. Death is the doorway that we cross through to get to eternity. Do we, do we invest in eternity? Some of us have no affection, some of us have no heart, some of us have no thoughts towards eternity because we have nothing invested there. How many of you watch the stock market every day? Don't raise your hands. I know. I, I ask these questions all the time. Sometimes I want you to raise your hands, sometimes I don't. We don't need to know who's inside. How many of you are in the stock market? How many of those that are in the stock market watch the stocks every day? Yeah, why? Because you're invested there. You want to know what's going on. You want to know what your money's doing. You have, if it goes up or if it goes down, it makes a difference. How many of us are invested in eternity? Every hand in the room should go up right now. I know, I'm. I'm don't raise your hands, raise your hands, I'm confusing myself. How many of us are invested in eternity? We're all invested in eternity. How much have we got invested? The more you have invested, the greater you're going to pay attention. The greater you're going to want to be like, man, I need to get some more in my account. I just need to go get some more in my account. I need to do something to get more in my account. I want to make a difference for eternity. The things of this world pale, but eternity, man, that's where it's at. when you bring eternity to someone else it makes a difference in your own eternal life you become more aware of it when you serve someone else you get blessed too how many of you know that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive it's more blessed to serve than it is to be served when When the lady came and broke the alabaster jar and poured it over Jesus' feet, it was only for him. She did it just for him. She did it to serve him. How many of you know that she walked out of the room smelling just like Jesus? When When you sow into eternity, you get it on yourself too. You get it all over yourself. We've been invited into this project. The gospel project. Jesus said, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. I want all of you. I've got this impossible task. Did the world population just hit 8 billion? Did I read that right? Anybody confirm that? 8 billion. I've got 8 billion people. 6 billion people have lived on the earth. There's 8 billion alive now. We need to get them all into heaven. And I'm choosing you to help me make it happen. You're invited. Let's read the scriptures. Luke 5 beginning in chapter 1. So it was as the multitude pressed around Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. So here's Jesus teaching And whatever he's saying must be really good because the crowds are starting to gather around. So much so that he's got to change location so that he can keep going. And he goes out into the water where people can't get to so that he can continue to preach without being pressed on. And so he's standing, he's sitting in the boat, he's preaching the word. Clearly, Peter's hearing this. Clearly, they're hearing what's going on. A boat's a very small thing, and he's speaking to the people on the shore. There's no way that Peter's not picking up what he's laying down. Even if he's trying to mend his nets on the backside of the boat while Jesus is preaching, there's no way Peter's not hearing them. You can't ignore that kind of teaching. Verse 4, when Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night, and we have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came, and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Anybody here ever worked the night shift? We worked hard. 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 We toiled. Worked hard. We are dead dog tired. We worked all night through the night, and we didn't catch one stinking fish. Not one. Not one. And you're telling me to go back out there and let down my nets again? Peter's saying, Simon, Simon Peter, saying, I, I don't ha- really don't have faith for this, but because you said so, I'm going to trust you. I'll do it. I got to do something to get you to be quiet. So they let down their fish, and they caught a great number of fish so that their net was breaking. They call their buddies in the other boat. You know, they have a net certain size so that they can, you know, fill the boat or get a good amount. You know, you don't have a net bigger than what your boat should hold. And so it's a small net. It's not a huge net. It's not some gigantic net that's designed for a bigger boat. The net fits the boat. But there were so many fish caught this time that the net's breaking. And as they take the fish off and they're putting him in the boat, the boat begins to sink. How many of you know why a boat stays above water? Because there's air inside the boat. You take a metal ship, right? That makes, weighs tons and tons and tons. We went on a cruise. It's 16 stories tall. The thing's like 300 yards long, like 1,000 feet long, all metal. And the thing still floats. How does it float? Because there's, there's air on the inside that keeps it up out of the water. That creates buoyancy. So they're taking these fish out of the nets and they're putting them in the boat to the point where the boat's now sinking into the water. Wood floats, but this boat made of wood is going to sink because of the enormous amount of fish that they're filling it with. They call their buddies out. They say, hey, we need another boat. This is crazy. Come out here. They come out. They get the other boat. That boat starts sinking too. Two boats, it's supposed to, the net's designed to fill the one boat. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if they've ever seen a boat sink before. Now they got two boats, they're both sinking. Have you ever had a good day at work, productive-wise, monetarily-wise? Most of us just work hourly. Sometimes, you know, you might do like um, entrepreneurship or something like that. You make a, you, you make a boatload. It's like, today is the day of all days. You land that contract that is impossible, right? You just, you, no way. This is what's going on. The best day they've ever seen in their life, fishing, bar none. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. This is an unusual response. Just get a picture of what's going on. Jesus asks Peter, hey, they fish all night. They catch nothing. They're cleaning their nets. Jesus comes over and says, hey, I need to borrow your boat. Put me out a little bit. And so he's like, all right, fine. So they do that. Then he says, go catch some fish. Jesus says, Peter says, I know there's no fish out there. They catch all of these fish. They fill it up to overflowing. I love how, I kind of enjoy how the passion, it's not the passion, the chosen has um, characterized this a bit, that Peter was really in need of the money. That was pretty cool. They catch all of these fish. It's crazy. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. And what does Peter say? He says, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man. What happened? Peter knew in that moment, this is not just a normal person. This is not just another rabbi something's different. This is why he calls him Lord. He didn't call him rabbi here. He calls him Lord. Mm -hmm. He already knows who he is. Jesus Jesus didn't say as much. At least we don't know so or we we don't uh, read that in the text here. John chapter four is the first time that Jesus preaches the gospel and reveals who he is. But Peter's already aware. He says, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. All who were with him. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Everyone's amazed. John tells us in the same story that Zebedee was there with them. Actually, it says uh, that he was there with them. Zebedee's amazed as well. They're all amazed. James, John, Zebedee, how could this happen? We've never, Zebedee's been fishing his whole life. I've never seen it. It's never happened. This isn't even possible. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed Jesus. Jesus says, hey, listen, I know this is strange. I know you've never seen anything like this. I know you've never, ever seen anybody catch this many fish. This is absolutely astounding, impossible. It's a miracle. I'm in that business. But from now on, you're not going to just catch fish anymore. I want to teach you how to catch men. And now that invitation is extended to all of us. Anybody here want to go fishing? For the longest time, I didn't like fishing. For the longest time, I haven't been fishing. My dad has a really great fishing spot. I shouldn't have told you that. My dad has a really great fishing spot. And for years, he's been trying to get me up there to go fishing. I'm like, "Ah, ah, I don't have time right now. I just don't have time right now. How many of you know it takes time to fish? How many of you know that when you want to fish, you got to go with somebody? Over the summer, Zach was in town, and uh, my, my soon-to-be son-in-law was in town, and he says to me, hey, I want to go fishing. And thought about it real quick, and I said to myself, well, I mean, I could take Zach up there, and we could try, and we might catch something. I'm like, but if I bring my dad, who knows where the fish are, and knows what kind of bait they like, and knows where to throw the line." and when to pull, and can teach us how to snag the fish. If I take my dad, we're guaranteed success. I wish I had put up the picture of the fish. We caught a ton of fish that day. We had a great day. We caught a ton of fish. We caught a whole bunch of, of strawberry bass, as they're called, up at Pulpit Point. You can't call them the other name. Like, that's not, they don't, they're called Crappy. Not at Pulpit Point, they're called Strawberry Bass. Some of you fish, you know what Crappy are? Crappy, crappy, not at, not at pulpit point. They're called strawberry bass. We caught bass. We caught catfish. We caught bullhead. We caught sheephead. We caught everything. And I'm telling you, we've had two full stringers, and we brought home fish, and we put it in the freezer, and I still got some. I haven't eaten it all yet. We filled our freezer up. How? Because I went with somebody who knew how to do it. I finally caught on. I'm like, yeah, I want to go fishing, but I don't really know How? The following week, Pedro and I went up. We brought Grandpa again. And uh, yeah, we continued to catch fish. It was awesome. It was awesome. It's my spot. Don't take my spot. (laughs) Uh, Jesus says, I want to teach you how to catch men. Jesus says, I want to teach you how to invite others into this relationship with Jesus. I want you to be part of it. So when they had brought their boats to the land, watch this, they forsook all, and they followed Jesus. Here's the greatest catch that they've ever had in their life. Impossible. Like, I don't know, but I'm just guessing months worth of pay. And it says they just left it all. They just left it all. Yeah. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had an amazing uh, inflow, flux, great job come through something? And you're just like, man, that was great. I'm glad I got it. I'm not going to even finish it. I'm just going to walk away. Now, John's testimony says that uh, they left the fish with Zebedee to, to process and clean and finish up. So that's a good thing. But they, they said, that's great. This is fantastic you know what? I probably stink at fishing. I fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus says to throw off the other side of the boat. I do. I catch a boatload of fish, two boatloads of fish and it starts to sink. Clearly I don't know what I'm doing here in the fishing world. He says he can teach me to do something else. I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with him. Jesus is going to teach him how to fish. This invitation is extended to all of us. Jesus, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We read this scripture all the time. Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus and he shares it with us. What does that mean? It means that we have all authority in heaven and on earth. You have to know the authority that you walk in as a Christian. You have to know the authority that you walk in as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple. You have to know the authority. How much authority? All authority. It's all yours. Is there anything that you don't have authority over? No. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples is the operative word. It should really be read, as you go through life, make disciples everywhere you go. Make disciples, not just converts. Billy Graham, toward the end of his life, he was asked, and he said, the one regret I had is that I made converts and not disciples. It's not enough for us to just win someone to Christ and then leave them and not show them how to follow Christ. You could preach the gospel and save 10,000, but if you have 10 disciples that you teach to disciple others, you'll accomplish far more. If you have 10,000 converts or if you have 10 disciples that you teach to disciple because of the process of multiplication, you will accomplish much more by making disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Why? Because when I teach those 10, one of the things I teach them is to go and get 10 more. That's 100. And they go and get 10 more. That's 10,000. Oh, that's 1,000? It's 1,000. And then they go and get 10 more, and that's 10,000. And then they go and get 10 more, and that's 100,000. They go and get 10 more, and that's a million. Suddenly, we're up to a million. How'd that happen? Because of the process of multiplication. But if all we ever do is have converts, then there's no movement. There's just 10,000, and we're done. We didn't teach them to multiply. We didn't teach them to do what we did. Make disciples. One of the aspects of discipleship is preaching the gospel. It's sharing the gospel with others. We all get invited into this process. There's nobody here that's disqualified from it. As a matter of fact, we're all needed. Every single one of you is needed for the gospel project. Every single one of you needs to tell your story because you have a story that's gonna touch somebody's heart that my story isn't gonna touch their heart. They're gonna hear my story and they're gonna think, well, they could think one of two things. They could think, well, you needed God. I don't need God. Or they might think, well, you didn't need God. I need God. I have these problems. You didn't have any problems. I have problems. No matter what I say, they might not identify with my story, but they might identify with yours because yours isn't the same as mine. And so we all have a story and it all needs to be told because somebody needs to hear it. Your story will win someone to Christ. You're invited into this eternal gospel project. Will you say yes? A disciple says make disciples. A disciple is a follower. It's a follower of Jesus. And so we're to create followers. Not just, hey, I like going to church. Follow Jesus. Coming to church is great. My main goal in having you here is to have you fall in love with Jesus. It's not to keep coming to church. If I can get you to fall in love with Jesus, you'll never want to be out of church. If you fall in love with Jesus, church is the most fun place to be. We um, a few weeks ago we had uh, church here on a Sunday. We jumped on a plane on Monday. We got to a place. We went to church for a week. We had a conference, multiple days. It was uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day from whatever hour to whatever hour, we went to church on Sunday, and then we flew back home on Monday, and then we hear, hey, there's a church service around the corner from our house, and I'm like, hey, let's go. (laughs) You think I'd have enough? (laughs) And I'm like, listen, if Jesus is going to be in the room, I want to be there. What am I going to do, sit home and watch a movie? I'll watch a movie later. I can turn that on at any time. Jesus is only in the building over there tonight. They don't have these midweek services every all the time. The special guest speaker from out of town, I heard about it that, that morning or that day. I'm like, I got to go. I'm going to go. I'm, we're going. Church becomes the most fun place that you can be. Yeah. Why? Because I'm invested in eternity, and eternal things are happening here. Right. I want to be where the eternal goes on. You know, I loved my job before I became a pastor. I absolutely loved it. It was the best job in the world. Ran the garden center nursery. Loved it. Worked outside all the time in the sun. Wonderful. Worked outside in the cold and the snow. Not so much fun. I love my job. I love my job. There's nothing I would rather do, but there were days where I sat and I was like, oh, if I could just do something that that made a difference in eternity today. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all of the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm always with you. I'm always going to be with you. You'll always have me with you. He doesn't sign us up for the project and then not give us the equipment to complete it. He doesn't send us out to dig a trench with our bare hands. And he doesn't just give us a shovel. He gives us the backhoe of backhoes. Holy Spirit. It's everything you need. It's a trencher on steroids, and it's going to get the job done. Yeah. Why does he want us to be so productive? Because it's a huge job. Eight billion people on the planet right now all need Jesus. Let's just start with Troy. 50,000 50, actually dropped. It was 55. It's down to like 49,000, so we'll just call it 50. 50,000 people in the city of Troy, we all, they all need Jesus. Why is there crime? Why is there this? Why is there that? Because they don't follow Jesus. If we were to truly follow Jesus, we'd be looking out for everyone around us. We would never harm another. It's only in a sincere following of who Jesus is. It's when we really follow him. It's when we chase after him with our whole heart and our whole mind that nothing else is okay, only love. Acts 1, 4, and 5 says... uh, And being assembled with them, Jesus commanded them not to part from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put into his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He gives us the power. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the power that Jesus gives us to accomplish the thing that he's given us to do. What's he given us to do? Bring the gospel to everybody that you meet. And I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you ill-equipped. The Gospel of Mark says that you have been endued with power from on high. It means specially clothed and fitted with power from on high. The Holy Spirit that you get, it's made special for you. Have you ever had an article of clothing made special for you? Maybe it was a wedding dress. Maybe it was a suit. Maybe it was a pair of pants. Somebody made something specifically for you, specifically tailored. Let me tell you how that fits when that happens. It's phenomenal. You're like, all, my, all the rest of my clothes are junk. <laughs> my tailor, when he made me my first jacket, he said, I'm your best friend and I'm your worst enemy because you're going to love this jacket. But then you're going to want to have to get rid of all your other clothes. So you're going to have to buy all new clothes. And so I'm your best friend and I'm your worst enemy. We've been clothed with specific power from the Holy Spirit that's just special for you. Just special for you. Special gifts just for you. Special gifts for you that nobody else can walk in. Why? To accomplish that which he sent us. Why is the Holy Spirit? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You're going to receive power. Holy Spirit's coming upon you. You're going to have power. And you shall be my witnesses. The power's there so that we can bring witness to Jesus. In Jerusalem, in the city that you live, in Judea, in the country that you're in, in Samaria, in the foreign countries that you don't like, and to the end of the earth. In Jerusalem, in Rensselaer, in the capital district, even in the city of Schenectady, it says... We've got some people that live in Schenectady. Love you guys. I'm just playing. And to the end of the earth. And to the end of the earth. Be my witnesses. God loves to back up your witness with his power. God loves to back up your witness with his power. When you're sharing the gospel with somebody, when you're telling somebody about the love of Christ, ask them if there's something that you can pray for them for. Just ask them. Say, hey, listen, is there anything that I can pray for you for? The, the conversation turned sideways and you can't finish the Romans road or whatever thing that you, you got you on. And, and all of a sudden, there's, there's, there's just a left turn in your witness. Say, hey, listen, is there anything that I can pray for you for? Pray for him right there on the spot. See what God will do. Take it home and keep praying for him. See what God will do. How many of you know that prayer breaks down walls? Prayer is the entrance of miracles. When we pray, we bring God on the scene, we're inviting him in. And this is where it happens. We have been invited into this eternal project called the gospel. Will you accept the invitation? Jesus wants to make us fishers of men. Do you want to go fishing? For a long time, I didn't. When I did decide to go, I took somebody who knew how to get it done, and we caught lots of fish. Do you even want to go fishing? You've been invited, but you have to accept the invitation to go. My dad invited me to go fishing for years and years and years. But there was a day where I said hey let's go fishing yeah let's go do that sure enough he showed me how to catch the fish I, I could probably show you how to catch those fish now too not as good as he can but that's alright don't spill my spot are we, are we ready are we willing are we willing to go because there's an invitation one of the things we need to do when we're fishing is we need to learn to value everyone we meet. Every single person we meet. When you walk out of here today, every single person you you will meet until you return back here next Sunday, they are a candidate for the gospel. They are a candidate for the gospel. God has chosen them and wants them to hear the gospel. So know that this week, that everyone you meet, they're a candidate for the gospel. You need to value, we need to value every single person we meet. And we need to invest in eternity. Stopping what we're doing, giving them five minutes of our time is how we invest in eternity. I'm not gonna live forever, not here on this earth, but I will live forever in eternity. Every single person that we meet will live forever in eternity. The only question is, is where are they going? Are they going to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus? Or will they be going to the other direction and spending eternity without God? And you and I have been given the invitation to help with the project to get everyone to go because that's God's heart. First Peter says that God desires that all men would be saved and that none would perish. That all men would be saved and that none would perish. That's his heart. Do we have his heart? Are we ready to walk with him? Walk with him this morning. Let's pray right here. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this message. God, we look forward to the group discussions this week. And God, I just pray that you would help us all to be those who would invest in eternity. God, help us to value every person that we meet. And God, give us the the strength. Give us your power, God, as we witness. God, that as we pray, that you would show up and answer those prayers on the spot. That it would be a witness and a testimony to your glory. And God, give us the strength, give us the wisdom, God, to lead others to Christ. In Jesus' name. I don't ever want uh, let to let a Sunday go by. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, I know I didn't talk about this at all today. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your life and you want a relationship with him, I want to invite you to do that today. Having a relationship with Jesus makes all of the difference in the world. Without a relationship with Jesus, we don't go to heaven. It's the relationship that I have with God that gets me to heaven. This is what we're talking about sharing this morning, and I would do you an injustice if I didn't share it. Jesus came, He died on the cross for my sin and for yours. Sin separates us from God, sin keeps us from going to heaven. Jesus came and He paid the penalty for sin, the penalty that we could not pay. Because of the sin that we had in our life, there was a debt that we owed to God, and none of us, myself included, have the ability to pay for that debt. Jesus came and died on the cross, and in doing so, he paid your debt. He paid your debt for sin. If you accept and re- Jesus and repent of your sins, you will go to heaven. You'll live here with the abundant life on earth. You can be uh Delivered from your sins so you get to go to heaven, have relationship with God right now. You get healed from sicknesses. You get set free from any evil oppression. That's what salvation is. It's all three. And that's what you're invited to today. If that's you and you want that relationship, I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. Jesus, I ask that you to come and live inside my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you all of the days of my life. God, save me from my sins, heal me of sickness, and deliver me from oppression. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here and you just prayed that for the first time, you just got introduced to Jesus, and uh, the rest is glorious. If you prayed that for the first time, I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. Check on your Engage card here. It says, today I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If that's you, check that box. I'm gonna send you some more information that explains a little bit deeper. What your next steps are and what that decision really means. So, thank you guys for being here today. And uh, Elizabeth, come and who's receiving the offering? Stacy, come and receive the offering.